As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They're conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and we're in our new um, um, offices at Biachad, our new studio, and Craig's just sorting out the my speaker here. Thanks, Craig. And it's really good to be here. It feels good. It's not quite ready yet. Quite a bit needs to be done, but it's really, it's got a lovely feeling. And I've got a guest with me today who is very sensitive to her environment and the feelings of the environment. I have Robin Cowan. How do you think it feels to be here, Rob? Hi, Sue. Hello, everyone. It's amazing. This place is great. It's going to work so beautifully. Feels good. Oh, good. That's good. Today, our topic is turning our wounds into our wisdom. And this is something that Robin and I feel very strongly about, uh, that this is we can do and we need to look at. Is it easy? No, it's never easy. But Victor Frankl said, man does not simply exist, but always decides what his existence will be what he will do in the next moment. By the same token, every human being has the freedom to change at any instant. One of the main features of human existence is the capacity to rise above our conditions, to grow beyond them. And you're nodding your head, um, Rob. Do you agree with that? 100%. Words of true wisdom. Absolutely true wisdom. You know... um, I just want to just mention quickly that this past week I actually had the privilege of attending a Viktor Frankl logotherapy graduation ceremony. Such lovely people there. And Terea Chantel was giving the main talk. And, you know, if anyone's interested in doing um, logotherapy, please just go onto the Viktor Frankl website. It's V-F-I-S-A. And uh, it's just... You, they can, they, it gives you all the www.vfisa.co.za. tells you all the different courses you can do. And being there last week, I actually got renewed enemy. <laughs> enemy. Oh, my God, that I don't mean. A new renewed energy. <laughs> Robin's laughing. Uh, and, uh, you know, and actually... Uh, decided this I must work more on this now going back to enemy that's what made me think of it I think so much of our wounds are our internal enemy within us 100% Sue and how do we work on that Rob Oh my word! Okay, there's so much, and there's so much to cover in a in a talk like this. Wounds to wisdom. How do we turn our wounds to wisdom? And there are so many levels and so many layers to the experiences that we all go through. They are all, they are all unique. They are all individual. They are all specific. And it's, it's so important to recognize that no matter how tough it feels, no matter how hard it feels, no matter how difficult the process is, on some level, on a soul level, a level that we may not be consciously aware of, we've chosen to learn, to grow, and to evolve from these wounds. 
And that is the tikkun. That is the reparation. That is the healing that our souls have chosen to go through. So the first point for me would be in the acknowledgement that I am the power in my life and that on some level my soul has chosen this and I now need to do the work to repair and to heal. And that work is often very, very tiring and very hard. You know, it's, it's never an easy thing to look at our wounds and actually bring them to the light in order to heal them. You know, the, um, the angel was uh, that philtrum, you know, the philtrum, which is this mark above your upper mm. lip going towards your nose. Um, the, the, the Hebrew uh, mythology, well, it's probably, I'm not sure, says that each embryo has an angel teaching them all the wisdom in the world while they are in the utero. And the angel lightly taps an infant's upper lip before birth to silence the infant from telling all the secrets in the universe to the humans who reside in it. The infant then somewhat forgets the Torah that they have been taught and that wisdom. And some believers actually believe that we have to obviously go back and relearn it all. And wisdom is therefore with knowledge. Absolutely, Sue. Can I tell you a short story? A yes. little, little something that happened in my life. So it is, it's the Archangel Gabriel, the angel of children, that teaches Torah throughout the nine-month period and then touches that fulcrum. So I had, one of my children was born with a hole in the fulcrum, and which closed. It was a tiny little hole, but her, I think it was six weeks after her birth, she was feeding beautifully. She was absolutely perfect. She was 100%. Everything was just so, so happy, so beautiful. The night as the stars, three stars came out, she turned away from me. She refused to suckle. She refused a bottle. She was as calm and peaceful as anything I've ever seen in my life. She wouldn't drink for 24 hours. As soon as three stars came out in the sky the following night, she turned and she started to suckle again. It was the Tom Gedalia. It was the fast of Gedalia. And this child... <laughs> Calm, content, happy as anything, refused to, to, to drink during that period. And what happened to the hole in the fortress? Closed. 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 Absolutely. Oh. It was just a tiny little, there was a little area there. And I didn't know what to do. I actually called on someone and they said, it's the Tom Gedalia, it's the fast of Gedalia. And is she happy? Is she content? Is she upset? And she was absolutely perfect. Oh, absolutely amazing. amazing. There's so much more to life that we just don't understand. And it's beyond us. But isn't it exciting to know it's there? Of course. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm... Um, here with Robin Kahn. But you know what? Um, there's two words to wisdom. Wisdom or sapience, which is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense and insight, especially in a mature sort of manner. And if you think about that, there seems to be, uh, in, in all the, the reading that I did about um, wisdom, it's said that it's got to be 
Wisdom has to be what you have learned. So it's knowledge that comes with experiences and everything. And how do you interpret it? How do you bring it forward into your life? Do you know that the Oxford English Dictionary defines wisdom as the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct, soundness of judgment in the choice of means and ends. And then um, knowledge is an enlightenment, a learning. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, the uh, author, defined wisdom as the right use of knowledge. And then one of the others in psychological rich, rich, uh, literature, they say the construct of wisdom does not have a commonly accepted de- definition. And I think that's actually true. Can we really give it a set definition when each culture has their own idea of what wisdom is. Do you agree, Rob? I do, Sue. And, you know, wisdom is, for me, if, we, if we're looking at it, yes, we all have our own ways of viewing it and of seeing it. Um, but when we're talking about turning our wounds to wisdom, we're talking about intrinsic wisdom. In other words, you called wisdom sapiens, right? Mm -hmm. We are homo sapiens. Mm -hmm. We are people of wisdom. So even the name homo sapiens is guiding us to look within. If you take the word human being, we're talking about divine man. So once again, we're talking about the divinity that was is Is within within ourselves as human beings. And the important thing is when we are looking at the wisdom within the only way to truly access it is to be present in this moment because many of our wounds come from our past a lot of our wounds come from fear of the future whereas in the present moment we tap into the intrinsic wisdom within our bodies within our knowing our inner knowing and then we are able to transmute them transform them and bring about the healing and the, the wisdom of our inner being to overcome. And that is our choice, whether we want to actually use that wisdom to overcome or whether we want to remain in that mode of, of, the, of the wounds. Well, there, is, there's a va- you know, there are seven veils of illusion. Mm-hmm. So the seventh veil is the veil furthest away from us, and it's the most difficult to remove. The others, the other six veils are really easy to, to get rid of once we have accessed the seventh veil. So imagine a thick red curtain blocking our vision, blocking our view, unable to see beyond this veil, this veil of illusion. This specific veil of illusion is shame, blame, projecting onto others the victim, the poor me, and the martyr. Mm-hmm. And once we get, we, acknowledge our divinity the wisdom within us we remove that veil and we move into our power and you know what Rob actually as you're saying that I am just thinking that I have definitely been in each one of those modes at some stage of my life and I think we often are and it depends on what we're actually going through in our lives how we are actually coping with that moment and are we living in the present or are we living in the pain of the past and and going back to that and you know you were telling me a story of a a young boy and I mean that was an incredibly interesting story Rob do you you want to tell our 
Yes, of course. Names and everything have been changed, so... Of course. Mm. So, this was a young man that came to see me, and his whole being was... He was really distraught. He was very, very anxious, very concerned, very worried. He he was suffering with eating disorders, very, very low self-esteem, no self-worth at all. And we went into a deep process to find what this particular wound was. We explored further and further and further back in his experience, and there was nothing that he could access in this space. He could not find the trigger to what this was. And we did heap deep work. So if there was something hidden, it would have come through. And then we took it further. We moved further back because there are many wounds, Sue, that we bring through in two ways. The one is through our past life experiences that we bring into this world. We have the courage in these bodies at this time to overcome something that we may have experienced in our past and we have chosen to heal in this, this experience at this particular moment. That's the one aspect is that we bring through our own need to heal. The other aspect, and this is what triggered with this young man, is that he had actually brought through ancestral miasms. Mm. In other words, he had brought through a trauma that had occurred to his grandfather in his own history. And as I say, we we are cellular, cellular makeup of all our ancestors. And this brought home the fact that we are actually emotional makeup as well. So the ancestral miasm, the weakness, the generational miasms get passed down through the generations. And what this young man and I did is that we start, we proxied the past. We proxied How do you the do grandfather. That? And we, we ended the pattern, we ended the process of letting this go through to the next lot of generations. Now when you say proxy, what do you actually mean by proxy? Well, the grandfather was not in a place to be able to do this work himself, otherwise he would have done it many, many years ago. And where he sits at the moment, he's not in that place. But the fact that it has come through with this young man, he was ready to heal. Mm. He was ready to heal this pattern of shadow or negativity, the miasm through the generations. So we actually did a process where we took, on a soul level, we took this young man, the grandfather, and the experience, and we did a healing on a deep level, and took the grandfather to a space of of inner peace, of calm, of harmony, of tranquility, of acknowledgement, and the same for this young man, and he has completely pivoted. He has turned himself around. He's recognized it was not his his now that is actually the issue. It was something that he was working to heal and overcome, possibly a contract made on a soul level with himself and his grandfather, and he has proxied the future generation so that the same miasm weakness Generational energy does not go further. How amazing, really. I'm talking to Robin Kahn, and Robin is a healer on many, many levels, and she teaches uh, a lot of workshops of different types of healing, and and she also sees uh, patients privately. You can SMS us on 34519. Okay, we're just breaking for an advert. And that's the most fun you'll have with your clothes on. Now that I have your attention, what I really want you to know is that you can now catch my show, The Dennis Prager Show, Sunday to Thursday nights, 
right here on 101.9 High FM. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my special guest is Robin Cowan, and Craig has just told me that we actually can't receive um, SMSs at the moment, so don't don't send those in. I hope you'll, we'll be able to give you answers that you're actually wanting. just want to tell you about the Pie Works and the Grill at Genesis Shopping Center. On Mondays, you can eat sushi from 12 till 9 p.m. for uh, 150 rand, pie, chips and gravy for 65 rand. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, their lunch specials, a quarter of a chicken with lemon and herb or peri-peri with chips and a Coke for 80 rand, and a two, or a 200-gram beef burger, chips and a Coke for 80 rand. On a Friday special, you can buy one, get one free sushi from 11 till 2.30 p.m., or 200-gram beef burger, chips and a Coke for 80 rand. Those all sound very good. Rob, you know what, we're talking about intergenerational wounds and I am going to be having um, Janet coming on to talk about about that. But you know that there are certain emotional wounds from childhood in particular and these are often incredibly uh, painful experiences from childhood that we have, you know, often just pushed down and, and they've submerged under a very deep layer of our own protective selves and yet they come out at different times and I know for myself I want to mention a healing that you did for me recently and it was probably from a sense of abandonment perhaps that it came through but there are certain five emotional wounds that come through from childhood the fear of abandonment the fear of rejection humiliation the betrayal or the trust of others and the injustice. You know, that, that sense of injustice of how could this possibly happen? You know, well, what on earth are the people thinking? What sort of world is this? And um, I think those are our major uh, wounds from childhood. Just remember, Robin and I went out for coffee a short while ago, and it's been quite a hectic year for me. And she said to me, gosh, you're very out of your body at the moment. Well, I thought I was pretty in my body. I thought I was pretty solid, actually, except that I kept launching myself into the air and falling flat on my face and uh, injuring myself. So Robin met with me for coffee, and it had been a major birthday of mine as well. And she said, I would like to do a birthday, give you a birthday present and actually do a healing on you. So, Rob, I'll hand over to you. <laughs> not too much info, please. No, not at all. <laughs> Just one thing, and that is why I bought you the smoky quartz. I'm holding a smoky quartz that Robin has just given me. Oh, to ground me, Rob. That's, it's grounding, it's security, it's stability, because I know you're going through the same emotional sense of loss at the moment, and this is just to keep you in your body so that you don't keep falling over <laughs> and having your, your soul kind of saying, wake up, Sue, come back to the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a very fascinating fact, Sue, and I've seen it through all the years of work, and that is as children we are unable to process the pain. We are like sponges. We just absorb whatever the, the childhood experience is. However, as adults, there's 
all the suppression, all the things that we have suppressed through all the many years, all of a sudden comes up. And there are times that I've had clients that have said it feels like there's a volcano of emotions just coming out of my being and I'm just unable to cope with all these feelings. Mm -hmm. And generally, it's because we have been suppressing and suppressing and suppressing. And then we get to a point of maturity where now we are able to process and to heal. And that comes from the contracts that we made before we even came here. We were going to sort out, clear, heal, um, grow, grow, evolve, whatever the process is um, in order to move forward on a soul level, to mm-hmm. elevate our consciousness. So it gets to a point in our maturity, in our adulthood, where all these, these emotions, these childhood emotions come bubbling up to the surface and we as adults need to now process them. The interesting thing is often it takes the form of illness. It does not. It's not even coming up in, when it's still in the dis-ease state. It comes up, unfortunately, when it has manifested in the physical. Like, for example, falling down mm. and hurting your shoulder and then hurting, you know, all the different processes and patterns that we, we tend to hurt ourselves. Or in the creation of oh, people saying to me, I get this constant cold every winter. I've got a cold, um, you know. God forbid, there are many diseases, um, many painful processes that people go through. But the fact is, when it manifests itself physically, it's actually the end of the pattern. It's the end of the process. The healing has already been done. And now our job is to be present in this moment with what is and move that out of our bodies and be very proud of ourselves for the process that has taken lifetimes Often. Would would you say it's a it's almost bringing it to the light so it can be healed, if we choose to look at it like that, you know, if we actually choose to see it not just as a an accident like I tripped over the carpet, but what is this actually telling me? What is this illness telling me? What is this pain, this physical pain, this physical wound telling me? Absolutely, the wisdom comes from taking a breath. Breathing in, stopping, looking, acknowledging, and then healing mm-hmm. and processing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it happens in the form of a car accident, Sue. It doesn't always have to be a physical manifestation in a d- disease creating disease in the body. However, when it does form the, and, and disease does manifest, we have the ability to transform that cellular makeup, the to take PNR, I know you had Ian Weinberg on here, mm-hmm. Dr. Ian Weinberg. So we work with processing through psychoneuroimmunology where we are able to reverse the, the pattern of um, disease, manifesting a disease, and then creating health and wellness in our bodies once again. And you know, that's incredibly interesting because I was at a shoot a while ago and people were talking about um, destiny and leaving uh, the country and. And um, what the discussion was, what, whether our destiny would follow us or not. Now, I have a very strong belief in that, that perhaps if I immigrate to Australia, I won't be hijacked there, but something similar will happen because it's something I've got to deal with in this lifetime. And the funny thing is, well, not so funny, but when we at one stage were uh, hijacked at gunpoint and what have you, and uh, we were accepted for Australia, my husband said, actually, 
he chooses to stay here because he's in a comfortable home and knows where he is with people around him that he cares cares about and destiny is playing itself out anyway. You know, Sue, often with my clients, I'll say to them, wherever you go, there you are. Mm. No matter where we go, we cannot run away from ourselves. We cannot run away from our soul choices. We cannot run away from, as you called it, our destiny. Mm -hmm. If it's Bashirt, if it is part of our soul choice, it's going to happen anyway. And unfortunately, I lost a very dear friend of mine in America who was shot by one of his um, employees. Wow, is that so? And he left South Africa because South Africa was dangerous. He Mm -hmm. moved to Florida. Florida was safe. And, and look at that. Unfortunately, he still went through the same Just in a, perhaps experience. in a different way. Yeah. And you hear about it again and again, Rob. You know, they talk about the ties that bind us. But in actual fact, it's the wounds that bind us to the past as well. Because I was just thinking about wounds when I was actually going through what we were going to be discussing today. And I thought it depends on emotionally what space you're in. Because you just think, oh, I've dealt with that wound, whether it's rejection, humiliation, abandonment, whatever it is, I can put it to sleep now. You know, that's that's it. I've done that. I've done work on it. But then you suddenly realize you're in a low place, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, whatever it is, and all of a sudden that feeling is almost like it overwhelms you. And once again, you've got to unpack it and say, okay, I've worked with you before, I'll work with you again, and instead of you becoming my enemy, you'll become my friend, and we'll learn from each other. And what have I learned from you in the past? Who have I become today because of you? I love that. What a beautiful way of putting it, Sue. Absolutely love that. I'm so pleased, Thank Rob. You. Thank you. <laughs> you no, can see really Robin and I true. really enjoy being together. Also, it's, you know, as, as they've always said, and I don't know who the they are, but there's mm. always they say, that it's layers, layers of an onion. You're kind of peeling the layers. And as you work through each of those layers, you're going deeper and deeper until you get to the core where you shift it. And if you do this as your f- own best friend, you know, in, in Sanskrit, there's a word called Maitri. It's spelt M-I-E-T-R-E. And it says that I am my own best friend. I love that. And there's another process, which is Tonglen. And Tonglen is mindful compassion. So in order for you to send out compassion for others, you have to use Maitri. You bring compassion into self. You heal self. You see the wounds of the other in front of you. Recognize that that is your own mirror. So you send the healing to you first. And then you are able to mindfully send that compassion on to others. That's wonderful. And you know, it's especially important that... For anyone in the therapeutic uh, professions, in the healing professions, uh, doctors, nurses, healers, whatever, psychiatrists, whoever you are, to actually understand that we all come with wounds. You know, there's a, the Carl Jung actually called it the wounded healer. Mm. And that we have to look at our own wounds first so that we don't, there's no counter-transference onto our patients or people, our clients. And we have to also make sure, obviously, there's no transference from our client onto us. But what you say there, Rob, is actually very important because it's something that we have to understand, you know, what buttons are being pushed in us Mm. and who are we? 
100%. And the other very important part of that, Sue, is that you and I are sitting facing each other right now. I am your mirror. What you're seeing in me is a reflection of something that is in you. I'm happy about that, Rob. Oh, yeah, so am I. <laughs> I love what I see. And the same rings true of our clients. The same rings true of all the people in our lives. If we look at the person in front of us and see them as a mirror, we either acknowledge the blessing of that person or we acknowledge the blessing of saying, thank you very much, but not for me. Mm. So you actually move fully and completely into that Maitri, where being your own best friend, you acknowledge what is acceptable, what will I allow into my sacred space, and what is unacceptable and not welcome. So it's really setting boundaries, isn't it? Always. <laughs> and very I think much that's so. very much what many yeah. relationships are about. Absolutely. And many relationships that fall down are because yeah. of the lack of, of boundaries. You know, um, you mentioned the... The wounded healer, you mentioned the doctors and the psychiatrists. and So I, I found out something the other day which was absolutely fascinating, and that is forest walks have become mandatory, government, a di- government directive in Japan. Huh. For all the people, for example, working in offices, but let's take it to the healer, to the doctors, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, all the people that are constantly absorbing the negativity and the shadows, and they are forced <laughs> To go for forest walks, no cell phones, no iPads, no um, no technology of any kind, and just go into the forest and just heal themselves, bring the energy of that forest into their bodies and flush out all the shadows, and that is so important. That is beautiful and funny enough, uh, Rob, that actually fits in completely with Reb Nachman of Breslov's teachings. He uh, he taught, he was a Hasidic master, and he taught that you need to go into nature. And he found very strongly that going into a forest healed him. He would listen to the trees. Mm, he would beautiful. listen to the ferns that were growing on the ground under the trees. And the ripple of, of water um, falling through the trees in the forest. And... And listening to that, he heard the call of the universe. Oh, how beautiful. Mm. That is magnificent. His words are beautiful. Mm. But at the same time, Rob, you know, Albert Einstein said, we are all geniuses, but if we judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live as its whole life believing it is stupid. So we have to really actually see where our... our clients are coming from or our friends or whoever it is and not give them too much to to work on you know to gradually become the person they are meant to become but not to expect them to suddenly climb a mountain when they cannot go up steps yet can i add one more to that list Mm -hmm. ourselves absolutely most importantly of all very definitely the expectation that we have of ourselves is sometimes far exceeding that which we are able to 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 be present with at this particular time. So the kindness, the gentleness, tempering judgment with loving kindness for ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've all been taught not to be selfish. And the way that I'm talking to you now is to bring that into you first so that you've got so much more to give to Mm. others. Whereas if we keep giving of ourselves, giving, 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 we end up depleted and unable to give any more. So fill the fields. 
that's so true. You know, that empty jug can happen very quickly without us even being mm. aware of it. Uh, on a humorous note, I just want to tell you about Einstein says, you know, it's expecting a, a fish can't climb a tree. Well, one day, Leon and I, my husband and I, were driving down through the bush, and all of a sudden, we saw this fish in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> we stopped the car. We actually couldn't believe what we were seeing. It was one of those acacia thorn trees. And there was this big fish caught at the top of this tree. The two of us looked at us, thought if it wasn't for the fact that we were together, if he'd come back and told me the story, I wouldn't have believed him. So but we funny. saw it together and took a photo of it. Anyway, what had happened, obviously, was that a fish eagle must have caught this fish, flown overhead, and it was too heavy for it to be carrying in its talons, and it must have dropped it, and it landed. There was this fish in the that tree. hysterical. It was absolutely hysterical. Um, now, Rob, going back to um, defining spiritual wisdom for ourselves, um, you know... Because it's not the same as knowledge, we have to know how to apply this to our everyday lives because that's what it is. It's actually taking our experiences, learning from them. And I was watching my little granddaughter and thinking to myself, soon she'll be crawling and she'll knock her head against something. Obviously, they always do, or she'll... Trip, I mean, for instance, she was trying to move herself forward, so she was swaying. And all of a sudden, she swayed too much and hit her nose on the carpet. Well, she was furious. She thought one of us had done it to her. <laughs> and it's easy to blame, you know. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, those are the knocks that actually teach us to go around rather than mm. straight into something, you know, into that table that's there rather just find a way around it but we often have to knock ourselves first to gain that knowledge and that experience do you agree i do agree sue and it's those those boulders that present themselves to us that make us stop and breathe and take a moment to say well i there is this boulder there is this wound there is this energy that i'm now dealing with Am I going to run headlong into it and bash myself into it? Am I going to let it fall on me and crush me? Or am I going to stop for a moment and find a way to breathe, to be present in this moment, and to find another route, find a way around it, alongside it, make friends with it, go and hug it, move it, like water, mm. to be able to flow with what is. And... I think a big part of that, a huge part of it, is the recognition that we are light. Our energy is light. We are beings of light. And as light beings, we have the potential to raise our frequency, to raise our vibration, and to raise our energy at all times. The boulder is heavy. It it's, it's knocks us down. And our job is to to keep bringing ourselves back to our center and flush out the shadows. So for me, all these little bolts that are teaching us along the way how to, how to move, how to go around things, how to move forward in our lives, is to, to once again come back to the wisdom of this moment. And in this moment, visualize, intend, pretend, however you are able to do it, that you are bringing light, peace, harmony, clarity, vision, wisdom, guidance, whatever it is that you're most needing in that moment, into your body 
and flushing that pain, suffering, stress, anxiety, tension out. That's beautiful. That's such mindfulness, quite honestly. And the Buddha actually has written a poem called The Path. And in it, it's very much what you're saying, living in mindfulness, watching yourself, cleansing yourself as you go along Mm. the path. That's beautiful. We actually have a YouTube that we're going to be listening to shortly after the break. The best revenge is actually not taking any revenge at all. It's not even holding on to any anger at all. It's moving on with your life. It's showing them that life is so much better after they're gone. It's easy to blame those that have wronged us for just about everything that is wrong with our life. If it wasn't for them, I would be happy. If it wasn't for them, I would have more money. If they didn't do this, I would be where I want to be. Most people get so caught up in blaming, they continue to blame and sabotage their own life long after the person is gone from their life. Most people hold on to the blame because it's easier than moving on. Having an excuse or a story of why they aren't where they want to be gets them sympathy from others. The victim role gives them comfort. And it is much easier than taking responsibility and moving on with their life. However, it is not and will never be a happy place to stay. Those who take responsibility for their life and are wanting to move on and put the past behind them are much more likely to gain freedom, success, and happiness. Now, this does not mean there aren't horrible people in the world that have done wrong by others. It is not condoning others' behavior. It is taking back the power they have from you when you are the one suffering long after they are gone. Who wins if you keep blaming them? Who wins if you move on? Forget about them and create the best life and success you could ever imagine. Who wins if you move on? Who wins if you forget about them? Who wins if you create your best ever life full of success and abundance? You win. Take back your power. Blame them for what they have done. But don't blame them. For what you haven't done. Blame them for what they've done, but bless them for making you stronger, for making you better. Blame them for what they've done, but thank them for showing you exactly what you don't want. You can blame the world for bringing them into your life, but then get grateful for all the lessons it taught you, all the strength it gave you. All the perspective it gave you. Knowing your heart, if they knew better, they would do better. Knowing your heart, you don't need to take on any other negative energy. How good does it feel to take that baggage off your shoulders? To focus on building your future. What a blessing. Let go. Move forward. Never look back. The best revenge is not taking any revenge. It is simply moving on with your life, creating the best version of yourself. 
Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. I'm with Robin Kahn. And Robins, if you want to get hold of her, you can on 064-907-3722. She does Skype sessions as well internationally and throughout South Africa. And if you phone her on that number, 064-907-3722, she can actually give you details. We'll give you the her email address at the end. Um, you know, Rob, I was thinking about just now about uh, the boulders that you were saying in life. You know, I once read a story about uh, a boulder moving downhill. It loved to roll. It was a round, big, round boulder. And its greatest joy in life was just to roll down the hills, like from one hill to another. And one day it was hit very hard by an object and a big crack appeared and a big uh, gash actually in its side and it broke his its heart and it thought I'll never be able to roll again and for a while it actually sat on the side of the road this broken boulder until one day he decided I'm going to actually try and just move a little bit and with great difficulty moved a little few little Steps, well, uh, 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 rolls forward, but limping very badly. Uh, but it decided it was a nice feeling. It was doing something for itself. So it went on day by day until eventually that big hole in its side, while it never went away, it became smoother. And it was never able to roll as it had previously, but he was able to still roll on. What a beautiful story, yeah. Sue. Isn't what a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that is the story of our lives. Are we going to wallow in self-pity and be the victims of our circumstances, of our past, of our present, of whatever's happening? Or are we going to take control of our story and say, I want a different ending? I'm going to choose how my story ends or how I live my story now. You know, I was about 18 years old and I was going to this wonderful woman. She was a real crazy old bat. Yeah. (laughs) And she was an amazing spiritual teacher. And the one thing I will never, ever forget with her if I'd walk in and I was in a, I was upset about something, she'd point to her watch and she'd say, Right, you've got 15 minutes. If after 15 minutes you are still wallowing, then I want you to leave. You're not welcome to stay any longer. And she gave me 15 minutes to process my pain, whatever the pain was. And after that 15 minutes, she either kicked me out or we learned. (laughs) But you know, Rob, it's funny you should say that because there you found, I was going to say a compassionate person, but she probably was compassionate, but she was at the same time, she did you you pulling a face about the compassion, but she set boundaries and she actually put control back, gave you the control back and said, you can do this. 100%. She gave me that tool. And you were able to talk first. Mm. And that is part of healing, is to be able to find somebody who will listen, hear your story, first of all, and then 
actually help yeah. you move on. And also to find that person who is prepared to, he- to hear in a completely non-judgmental, non-manipulative and non-aggressive manner. Mm-hmm. Just to really hear from the depth of their soul to hear so that you have that voice. And you know that you've been heard. And Absolutely. that in itself dissipates everything. You know, one of the interesting things is that after doing this work for over 33 years, I do not have one note about one of my clients. Not one. There's nothing ever written down that records that person's story. Because who they are now, when they come to me now, compared to who they were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, is not the same person. That story has dissipated, and they are brand new in each moment. So the so story, it's a new chapter almost. Every moment is a brand new now. Mm. So why hold on to the wound when we are able to turn it into that wisdom, move it out of our bodies, and yes, there are going to be new layers of it, as you said, but to con- completely align yourself with this particular moment and breathe so that you don't carry the boulders of the past with you into your future. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Rob. Just what I'm going to advert again. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson and I'm with Robin Cowan and we've been talking about from wounds to wisdom. And and it's going so quickly, Rob. It always does when you and I get together. You know, I just wanted to give a few tips for achieving spiritual wisdom and see if you agree with these. First of all, choose wisdom. If you want what's best for your soul, it starts with making a decision to have it. Then trust your instincts. And I think those are often what uh, Oprah Winfrey says, God talking to us Mm. or spirit talking to us. Set boundaries. And that is very important. Once you desire wisdom, the rules for how you live your life have to change. You know, you've got to change. You've got to look and see what you can actually let go, uh, whatever it is. And then surround yourself with wisdom. I love that one because wise people, people who are actually present in the world and are happy to be here and realize it's a gift to be here are, are, are what we need to surround ourselves with. Wise books as well. Mm. Well, And then learn from our mistakes. The first time might be an accident. The second time might be an accident. But the third time, that's a problem. That's what it says. And then learn from other people's mistakes. And I love that because, um, quite honestly, we don't have to go through every lesson ourselves. We can actually mm. see someone else knocking their heads and decide, well, we're not going to go that route. Do you agree? I do. Can I tell you another little story? This is from um, Wayne Dyer. Mm. And Wayne tells a story of a woman who was on his workshop. And this, this was the story. And he said, your life has four chapters. The first chapter of your life, you're walking down a road. You fall in a hole. You didn't see the hole. You you eventually find your way out cut and bruised and broken and bleeding. And it takes you forever to get out, but eventually you get out. Chapter two of your life. You're walking down the same road. You fall in the same hole. You say, it's not my fault. (laughs) But this time you kind of know a little bit how to get out a little easier. Maybe you're still cut and bruised and broken. Yeah, but you get out and you go out. You carry on. Chapter three of your life. You're walking down the same road. You see the hole. You acknowledge the hole. You fall in the hole. 
That's your choice. <laughs> you scramble out of the hole. Chapter four of your life, you walk down the same road. You walk around the hole. In chapter five of your life, you walk down a new road. <laughs> Those I are wounds that. to wisdom. They take time. <laughs> Absolutely, Robin. On that note, please just give your email address, and then we're going to listen to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs talking about sharing wisdom. And he gave this talk at the Elijah Interfaith um, Institute, a peace pilgrimage, and it's very much what we're looking at today, people fighting, hating each other, and it's their own wounds. We're all dealing with wounds that sometimes become the enemy. Of course. Thank you so much, Rob. Give your email address, please. My pleasure. My email address is my name. So it's R-O-B-Y-N-C-O-W-E-N at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Rob, and thank you so much, Craig. And uh, Thank you, we'll Sue. Blessings and best wishes to all of you involved in this peace pilgrimage. I'm so sorry I can't be with you physically, but at least I'm with you in spirit. You're doing a great thing, and may all you do be blessed. I've been asked to share with you a biblical verse that, to me, sums up a peace pilgrimage. And I've chosen a somewhat unusual verse, and I want to explain why. It can often happen that people of the highest possible altruism, religious believers from different faiths, can come together and meet for the sake of peace. And of course, they speak from their heart and they are totally sincere. And somehow or other, peace doesn't seem to come. And our world is as fraught with conflict now as it was before. Why does this happen? And there are, I think, at least two reasons. Number one, because very often we say, and we mean, and it's true, that our religion values peace, our texts speak about peace, our practices encourage peace, our prophets spoke about peace. And therefore, if only everyone believed as we did, there would be peace. But you see, that doesn't bring peace any nearer. In fact, it drives it further away, because that is peace on my terms. If we were all of one belief, maybe we would have peace. But the truth is, peace in this real world has to be with people who believe differently from us. And therefore, the more each of us articulates our faith, the more we perpetuate a conflict that is very difficult. The idea that we can get peace if everyone in the world believed the same thing is not the kind of peace that works in a world of diversity. And then there's the other kind of peace, the great vision of peace. Isaiah chapter 11, that dream of a day when the lion and the lamb will live together. Well, it hasn't happened yet, although if you'll forget this, forgive the story, I love the story about a Los Angeles zoo where the lion and the lamb did live together in the same cage. And tourists used to come by amazed and ask the zookeeper how on earth he managed it. And with a smile he would say, it's easy. You just need a new lamb every day. So that is what I call utopian peace. And the meaning of the word utopia is nowhere. We've never got there because 
We live in the real world, not in a utopian one. And that is why if I were to choose a verse for a pilgrimage for peace, I would take a very modest, almost absurdly simple one from the 23rd chapter of Exodus, verse 5. And it says as follows, Ki If you see your enemy's ox, rovets tachat masao, crouching under its burden, it's fallen down, it's been overloaded. V'chadalta me'azovlo, don't leave him and walk away. Azov ta'azovimo, help him. Pick the donkey up and reload it in a way that the donkey can stand. There it is. Nothing utopian about that. There's nothing even theological about it. You are seeing your enemy in trouble and he can't cope with it himself, so you give him a hand. And that, say the sages, is the way you dispel hatred. Not by some utopian vision necessarily, but by seeing someone in need and just giving them a helping hand. That is not a bad way to make peace. So here is a person on a journey and quite unexpectedly he sees a moment to help an enemy. That is a kind of byproduct of a pilgrimage. Yes, you're searching, as we are all searching, for the heavenly Jerusalem. But I think the best pilgrimage of peace is where you encounter something along the way that you never really expected. And you give someone a smile or a helping hand or something, a blessing to someone who's sick or a meal to someone who's lonely. And that creates a little fragment of peace in the world that wasn't there before. When those fragments join, human conflicts are healed, not by any grand design, but just being open to those moments where you hear God calling in the face of a stranger. May you have such moments on your pilgrimage, not just this one, but the other pilgrimage that we call life. And may you bring blessing to unexpected places. And may you be worthy of that wonderful saying of our sages, who is a hero, one who turns an enemy into a friend. May all you do be blessed.